the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Dr. David Anderson, senior pastor and founder of Bridgeway Community Church in Columbia, Maryland. And I am so glad that you are tuned in now to our new special Saturday edition of Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. You're going to hear conversations from recent talks where I've connected with radio listeners just like you to help them build bridges of reconciliation, race, religion, relationships. Are you ready? Let's get started. Let's go to Jay. Jay's in Chesapeake Beach, Maryland. Hi, Jay. Welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for taking my call, Dr. Anderson. It's my pleasure. What are you thinking? So, well, my question is more so, when is it appropriate to ask the question of eternity with, like, say, family members, uh, you know, people that are close to you as far as where they are and their walk, whether they've accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and, and doing it respectfully, uh, you know, where they don't take it, you know, as if you don't believe they are believers or you know, something to that effect. Um, yeah. I'm having this situation right now with my father, okay. who's elderly and, and having some health issues. And, and um, you know, so, so again, I, you know, my understanding is, you know, in order to, to go to heaven, you have to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It doesn't right. matter that you you were raised in the Church or, you, you know, you went to catechism or, or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, you, you, still, you still have to take that step. And I was just wondering what your take was on... When that's when when that's inappropriate, or when to have that conversation, or, or how to have it in a, in a yeah. respectful way. I love because um, I think some of the older generation think feel is it, it's a. My father's comment to me was it's a personal matter, and it's like, well, you know, it, it may very well be a personal matter, but you know, but for me, I guess in a, from a selfish standpoint, I wanted to know that my father was in the right place. Sure. Well, it's an eternal. It's an eternal matter. The, your question is about strategy, and I like it, by the way. Great question, a loving question. Uh, so what I might do is, that, I mean, the time is now, no doubt. He's getting older, uh, and, and his, his health is failing. And so, you know, when you have time and space with him, again, uh, I think the way to have the conversation is to have conversations around death, uh, not just eternity. For instance, hey, Dad, uh, is there anything else on your bucket list? that you would love to do, you know, before you die, that sort of thing. And so when people start talking about their right. bucket list, that's a good, a good way to get it into uh, eternity, you know, and death. And so, you know, if you could die any way you want it to, or at any age you want it to, when would you do it? I mean, people have these kind of conversations at parties, they're on cards, but you know, these are all kind of, uh, ancillary questions that are going to get you to the real question, but still it's good because it's getting you in the orbit of talking about eternity. You know, if you could die any way you wanted to, or if you could die at any age you wanted to, when would you die? That sort of thing. And that's when you come in with, well, what about the other side? What do you hope the other side is like? Right. And so what you're doing is you're getting their thoughts about eternity. 
Do you think that maybe they're going to think? Right. Maybe they think that they're going to see Jesus. Uh, maybe they think that they don't know. They'll say, you know, I don't know what the other side is. Or maybe they think that, uh, you know, they'll see Grandma again. But at least now you you've moved from death on this earth from the bucket list now to what your hopes are for eternity. Once you're in that zone, right. now you're just waiting for the right opening uh, to t- now talk about. Jesus, you know, what Jesus talks about eternal life, or I'm hoping to have eternal life because of my relationship with, with Jesus. What are your thoughts about Jesus? Do you think it's too forward to, to, because I've kind of skipped that part and and actually brought it up in a a letter that I read to him, and he took it, you know, kind, kind of maybe where, from the standpoint where, I was kind of stepping across maybe a boundary of, of it, again, it being a personal decision. Right. And and not something that, you know, he openly felt that he wanted to share that, you yeah. know, and, and, well, it's and hard, I, I, it's, I kind of... Yeah, it's hard know. to get that. It's hard to get that intimate right away. Again, I'm giving you some ways to warm it up before you just jump right on in there. You know, so if you got the letter and it's basically, it's talking about heaven, hell, eternity, Jesus, and all this other stuff. Again, if somebody does feel like it's personal, they're, you're going to, they're going to stop right there. They're going to feel defensive or right. whatever. But I think if you're talking about death and dreams and hopes, I think that gets you in the right, the right sphere. Right, and moving forward, I can use that approach with with other family members. Obviously, it's you know my father's not my only person I'm concerned about with with eternity. But um, you know, again, because I think I think a lot of people see that as kind of a a touchy subject. It's 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 a hard subject to broach, you know. And, and like you said, maybe kind of going around about way and saying that's right. Where your your thoughts, you know, what what do you think the other side's going to be like, and and, right. and maybe add like how do you think you get there, like. Yeah. Yeah. Again, again, do you have any regrets? Is there anything you want me to do on the earth? Any dreams you have for me? Any conversation around the orbit of death and life will get you to the ultimate uh, conversation. But what I would do is I let the conversation unveil. Let the let the path reveal itself. Don't go in with a with a you know. I'm going to have this particular conversation. Let let them tell you right. what door to walk through. It makes it a whole lot easier when you just listen to the spirit and listen to them. And if the timing is right, it uh, it will uh, reveal right. it. Re- it will reveal itself. Uh, and I and I think that God right, is right. God is involved in your conversation there. He wants to have it uh, with your right. father, and so he's with you. You keep praying about it, right. and remember that even when you leave uh, the room. He's still thinking about it, the questions you've asked. Right. And that's the good news. Kind of planted the seed. Yeah, let God do the watering. Let God do the saving. You really want to love him well and say, Dad, is there anything in this life you want me to do? Uh, Dad, is there any dream or regret that you have? You know, start, let let them think about it then. And again, that's only a half-hour conversation. You may need another two or three conversations before you get, but that's a lot to digest if you've not, if you're older and you got some regrets or this is my son and he wants to know if there's any dream I can fulfill for him, those are all beautiful, reflective, painful, deep, uh, heart-wrenching questions that right. can't be like on a, a academic essay test. You know, it needs to, right. it need, you, you, you've got to walk with that conversation and journey it, put a pen in it now and talk about it again in another week or a month or, or something right. like that. You just can't 
sort of uh, ask the question and say, now write the survey, write the essay, and I'll tell you whether it's right or wrong. That's real deep stuff. And it's an ongoing conversation. Right. And it's not a, they're, they're not black and white answers. They're, they're Correct. A lot, of, a lot of gray in there. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Hey, I appreciate your question. Thanks a lot. Okay, Jay. All right. Thanks. Blessings to you. You've seen it. The orange signs popping up in your neighborhood. Vivid Smart Home is setting up and upgrading new and existing homeowners with the latest smart home security packages. Right now, all of Dr. Anderson's listeners get a free 4K doorbell camera with their new smart home purchase. All in support of smart social distancing. And only through the Get Smart with Dr. Anderson hotline at 1-800-587-1504. View, stream, and manage your front door, keeping your deliveries safe, all while keeping you safe inside your home. Professional installation, 0% financing, and a lifetime warranty on all of their products, along with fast, 24-7 police, fire, and medical response. Call in the next 30 minutes and get two free months of smart home service. 1-800-587-1504. Hi, Jewel. This is Dr. Anderson. How are you? Hi, Dr. Anderson, and hello to your guests. First, I want to thank you for Best Buy Waterproofing. (laughs) They are outstanding. Yeah, and I'm scheduled to get my work done in a week, but I just want to thank you. The free home inspection, they Mm -hmm. came out. Love it. It was just absolutely amazing. They have over 30 years of experience, and they'll even donate $500 to my show if you end up doing business with them. But most of all, get your basement fixed. Give them a call. 844-980-3707. That's 844-980-3707. Uh, let's go to Sarah in Rockville, Maryland. Hi, Sarah. Dr. Anderson here. How are you? Hello, Dr. Anderson. Hi. What's your comment or question? Hello. I have have a two-part question. I don't know if you're able to answer them, but what's the difference between uh, your spirit and your soul? No, it's a very good question. Uh, Some people put it together. They say the spirit and the soul are the same thing. I believe that the soul is your psyche, and that's where the Greek word uh, suke is. Uh, and where we get our words psychology or mind. So I believe like the soul is our, is our mind and our inner person, but the spirit, uh, is, is that, uh, inner man or inner woman. So some people would separate them and they would be known as a trichotomist they believe that you have the mind the soul and the spirit then you have this dichotomist who would believe uh in uh the what they call the immaterial and the material now let me explain this because i know it gets a little uh crazy here but there's so many different parts of the non-material part of man material meaning the physical so we say that that's one part, the physical. And then you have the non-physical or the immaterial part of man. And they say, well, there's will, there's emotion, there's personality, there's soul, there's spirit. There's so many things that we can't divide them up. So we just say there are two parts to a man, the immaterial and the material. That's the dichotomous. So they don't even try to separate soul and spirit. Okay. 
Then you have the trichotomist who says, well, hold on. Yes, you have the physical. That's one. But then you have the soul and the spirit. So we want to divide soul and spirit. And so, therefore, we would say that a human being is a living soul. So everyone has an eternal soul. But only those who trust Christ, spirit comes alive because the spirit of God connects with their spirit, which was dead. And it's and that God doesn't just make bad people good. He makes dead people alive. So while you're a living soul, you're not a living spirit, and your spirit comes alive when it's quickened by the Holy Spirit through salvation. Did I lose you, or are you right there with me? Yeah, so so they're one and the same? It depends on your view. They can be one and the same. What I'm saying is some people put them as one and the same. Other people separate the two. I separate the two. My my David Anderson's opinion based on scripture is that they are two separate things. The soul, which is the psyche of the human being, and then the spirit, which is either dead or alive, depending on whether it's quickened or brought alive by God through salvation. Got it. And then my last question is, so if this, if someone commits suicide, do they go to, to heaven or do they go to, you know, somewhere else? Well, the way you die doesn't determine where you live after you die. And so, okay. therefore, if someone dies through homicide, suicide, genocide, that doesn't determine your eternality. All right? What determines your okay. eternality is whether you have faith in Jesus Christ or not. That's the only determining factor is have you placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins? That is it. What have you done with Christ? So if I commit suicide because I'm depressed one day, uh, I'm not going to spend eternity in hell because I had a bad day. And I killed myself. Now, it's terrible to do it, and there's a lot of reasons not to. Uh, and I would encourage anybody right. who's thinking about it to go get help because the reality is we don't want to take our own life. Our life is in God's hands, and that's the bottom line. But there's no scripture that says, well, if you commit suicide, uh, you're going to hell. Or if you commit suicide, you'll get to heaven quicker. Okay. Does that help you? Yes, it does. Okay, great. Great questions, by the way, Sarah. Thank you so much from Rockville, Maryland. All right, let me keep moving. I've got uh, Sean on the line from Alexandria, Virginia. Hi, Sean. Dr. Anderson here. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Dr. Anderson. What yourself? Oh, I'm great. Alive and grateful, my friend. What are you thinking today, Sean? Glad to hear. Hey, um, the reason I'm calling you today is um, I have a friend who moved to Florida a couple of years ago to go to school and she ended up staying down there living in Miami. And, uh, she, uh, her and I were very close at one time. We kind of became distant and she reaches out to me periodically, um, looking for help with different things. Uh, I, I think that I kind of developed sort of an anxious attachment with her. And recently about a month ago, she called me up out of the blue and, uh, shared with me that she had been a victim of abuse and okay. uh, sent me pic- pictures of how she'd been assaulted. She had stitches over her eye. It's terrible. A black eye and, and uh, a lot of terrible things. And I, I, naturally, I was very upset by it and angered as, sure. as far as, you know, uh, who, you know, I, I, I wanted to do something to help her. But, uh, you know, in, in response to, 
to the way that I reacted, she ended up shutting me out and uh, pushing me away. And well, how, how did you react that caused? How did you react that caused her to do that? I, I got I got very angry and upset and, at her. Uh, not at her, just at the situation. And I, I don't really know. Uh, I don't know. I bet how she I thinks handle the situation differently. Well, Sean, I think she probably thinks you're mad at her, and she, it was her fault. She, you made her feel like it was her fault. Is probably my guess, and so that made her upset. I could be wrong, but usually, if yeah. a girl if a girl calls uh, somebody uh, after that, they need support and they need empathy. They don't need. Well, how'd you get yourself in that situation? Why are you with that guy anyway? All of that can come later. Yeah. What she needs in the middle of that trauma is uh, empathy. And is there anything I can do for you? And how can I pray for you? And uh, what is the best way to serve you right now? That's what she needed from yeah. you, she, right? Yeah, I, I looking back, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I, I wish I'd handled the situation differently. But yeah, now I, 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 you know, I haven't spoke with her in a month, and I'm genuinely worried about her, her well being, and I pray for her every day for God to keep a hedge of protection around her and keep her under His wing. But I, I don't know how she's doing, and I'm just sure I'm worried about her, man. Do I don't you, know what to do. Do you have email for her? Yeah. You know what I'd do? I'd write her an apology email and a prayer email just to say, hey, listen, I didn't react well. Uh, that was on me. I really care about you, and there's no judgment here. I, I, I am just so sorry. Please forgive me, and I'm praying for you, and I'd love it if you give me a call sometime, but I'll wait on you and just leave it there. That way she can read it and digest it. And then once she reaches back to you, now you guys can have the conversation again, and you'll get a do-over on that one. Awesome. What do you I'll think? Definitely do that. Good I idea. The advice, Doctor Anderson. You got it, my friend. Hey, yeah, let, absolutely. Let me know in a week or two how uh, uh, how that worked for you. Okay. I will. Thanks right. again, Doctor. You got it. Blessings to you. That's Sean in Alexandria, Virginia. Does your church have legal challenges? McCullum and Associates has experience with Pastor Church Relations administration and organizational issues, church liability and risk management, and real estate matters. This firm understands the legal aspects of the problems, as well as the spiritual implications of those same problems inside and outside the court. Call McCollum & Associates today at 301-864-6070. That's 301-864-6070. Let's go to Nora. Nora's in Fairfax, Virginia. Hi, Nora. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hello. Hi. I'm fine. Great. What's your comment or question today, Nora? Yes, I had a theological question, actually, and it's something that I've been wondering about for a long time, so I thought maybe I'd just pop it out there at you today. Okay, go for it. And uh, Okay, so... Um, when I was reading the Old Testament, I'm really fond of Psalms and Proverbs and so forth uh, over the years. It has been bothersome to me that there were so many concubines that David had and <laughs> Solomon, and uh, and the fact that uh, David was called a man after God's own heart right. was a little bit disturbing, given that he had all these uh, <laughs> women, all these wives and concubines and whatnot. Right. Um, it just seems so horrible. It's like yeah. prostitutes, really. Yeah. Um, it sounds like a sex addict to me, you know? <laughs> so, anyway. Oh, Lord. Um, well, anyway, okay, so, so what's your question? I thought it was condoned. 
Okay, so, so why was that condoned? Got it. Okay, and why was the you know why was he considered a man after God's own heart, carrying on having this type of behavior? It yeah. was very abusive to women, really. Yeah. So here's the thing: there's no excuse for bad chauvinistic culture, but that's what it was. Just like there was no excuse for slavery, but that's what it was. Yet God moved through all of these different. Uh, times within culture. Now, the reason it happened was because uh, God created one man, one woman, one lifetime, and we sinned in the garden. And so after that, once man was kicked out of the, out of the garden, right. the roles that they had, you know, became worse. So a man who's supposed yeah, to I, dominate, uh, you know, have mm-hmm. dominion, now he changes that to domination. And so what happens, yeah. you move from Genesis 3 to Genesis 4, you got brothers who are now killing one another. You got men who are dominating women instead of creating a domain for her uh, glory. And it just gets worse and mm-hmm. worse and worse. And then on top of that, in Genesis right. 3, I understand all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see the okay. woman fighting for, uh, for position with the man. So I think that uh, right. That just became the culture of the day, and it became understood, right. and it became okay. And I'm not saying that it is or that it should be. I hope you hear that. But uh, that's got to right. be very yeah. disturbing for a woman that reads this. I'm with you on it. Right. Well, one thing I was just wondering is why it wasn't spelled out clearly that this was sin. Because I know um, you know it says, do not commit adultery. It's one of the Ten Commandments. But right. why... So it's like if you're married to her, you can have a thousand wives, you're okay, as long as you're officially married. It's kind of... Uh, yeah. But, yeah. But why wasn't it um, a commandment? You can have one woman as your wife. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, just to straighten this out, you know, it just yeah, well, doesn't make Well, sense here's the thing. It did. I mean, it was very clear in the Ten Commandments. You know, it's it very clear. Well, it says do not commit adultery. But exactly. If you have ten wives or a hundred wives and you don't have sex with anybody but those ten or those that one hundred... Any but, of those women in the next yeah, crowd but at of least 100 you, women that you married. At least you can argue for that one, though. How do you argue for the concubines? Well, yeah, then I don't know how you argue for those. Right, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So I'm Correct. with you on it. I think this is man's uh, twisted fallenness, uh, and it became cultural. And there probably today some things that we do that are cultural that come out of fallenness, and really it's not God's best for us at all. Uh, and I think it was wrong. I mm-hmm. think we've learned that it's wrong. Now, there's a, a lot of people, believe it or not, that don't believe that multiple marriages are wrong. Uh, you know, and even the Mormon church for a while, uh, you know, and, and so that's not anymore. But, I mean, to some degree, there's some cultures There's some cultures today. I mean, I've been to several countries uh, in Africa, and I remember when we were in Swaziland, uh, you know, that you had people that had 10. And, I mean, the king had 13 wives at the time. Uh, and then there was one church we helped uh, start in Kenya, and um, you know they got say, you know they said pastor how do we how do we have Christian marriage? And when we talked about it, they said but we have all these wives like four or five wives. What do we do? We have four wives. What do we do? Now let me tell you what I told them, Nora. You may agree, you may not, and that's okay. But I said okay, you got four, no more, and that's the way I put it. Four and no more because if you have those four, if you get rid of three of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, then those women become, um, what's the word? Uh, Yeah, I I hate to use, you know, bottom line, it's a bad thing to be uncovered and to be unmarried uh, and having been used by another man. And now you're out there. It's like, it's it's very, very bad for a woman like that. So what I said is don't marry a fifth one, you know, don't marry a fifth one. Don't marry a sixth one. Just keep those four and no more. 
uh, and then work out with them how you know how this is supposed to to work. But this cultural stuff, at the end of the day, I think you're right, and you should have a problem. Um, and there are things I have problems with, by the way, in the scriptures that I'm like, oh no, God really kill all the babies, kill all the children, kill all the animals. Come on, what right. kind of God? You know. So I read things too, right. and I was like, okay, God, I don't understand it, I don't like it. But I'm just going to move on here. I mean, that's honestly. Yeah, that's right. I guess that's what people have to do. You know, that's what I, I do. Wonder, like, yeah. how in the world was that accepted? Well, know? I don't try to argue I for mean, it. At least, uh, I don't yeah, try to argue for it. God would have. Yeah, I know. But yeah. you would think that you know God would have appeared to him or made it clear that yeah. you, know, you can't carry on like this and whatever. Right. But, but I mean, think about yeah, today. The know? biggest issues for evangelical Christians are things that the Bible doesn't have a lot to say about abortion and and homosexual marriage. Uh, I mean, again, we can find passages, and I, I'm a preacher. I can give you the six homosexual passages uh, that are used mm-hmm. in Scripture. But, I mean, think about it. If abortion, for instance, is so uh, terrible, God, why did you not speak more clearly, you know, as opposed to, you know, I knew you mm-hmm. in your mother's womb. Okay, that's good. But, I mean, this is huge, 40 million or whatever children have been killed. Or, right. or same for the homosexual thing. I mean, yes, I mean, I got some great passages, especially Romans 1 and all that, but, uh, boy, this right. is a big, big deal. But yet, you know, sometimes I think that God needs us and desires us to obey his spirit, to discern. Uh, and there's some things we just have to say, God, I'm going to leave it to you. I'm, I get this question when I get to heaven. Okay. So Nora and I, Lord, when we get to heaven, we want to ask you a, a few questions. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll just of sit course. at his feet, Nora, and we'll just let him explain it. You've been listening to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson, Weekend Edition, a ministry of Bridgeway Community Church. We would love to have you join us at Bridgeway in our Performing Arts Theater in Columbia, Maryland, for one of our three identical Sunday services at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., and noon. Or join us online at www.bridgeway.cc. Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson airs live weekdays on this station and is ready to take your calls. Tune in at 3 p.m. weekdays on WAVA 105.1 FM. We hope to see you tomorrow at church.